0: cool to see what God is doing through Movement Church. Uh, You're a big part of it, Genesis, and your support of Josh and Heidi and uh, all of the things there uh, just south of Cincinnati, right across the river in uh, northern Kentucky. And uh, having preached last weekend at our Carmel campus, again, I was just reminded of uh, your faithfulness and generosity. I mean, we're helping to start new churches to help people find their way back to God, uh, not only here in the Indianapolis area, but beyond this area too. And uh, it just gets me wondering, gets my heart pumping, you know, what else might God get us ready to do? How else might he want to use you and maybe call some of you to help start a new church or to reach your neighborhood or the people in your workplace? Our, our God's good, and thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness to him and to people like Genes- or Movement Church. So, hey, my name is Paul Mumon, I'm the lead pastor here. We are finishing up a series today. If you've got a Bible with you and you want to follow along, turn to John chapter 11. We've been looking at the miracles of Jesus recorded by John in the gospel of John. Uh, there are some Bibles on the floor around you. Maybe you use uh, your uh, UVersion app, your Bible app on your smartphone, maybe you brought your own Bible with you today. Uh, turn with us to, to John chapter 11 uh, if you would. <clears throat> Uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, was an American founding father and the principal author of the Declaration uh, of Independence, the third president of the United States, and uh, one of the more popular presidents uh, in in our nation's history. Uh, History indicates that he also had a profound appreciation for the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, Jefferson was a child of a period of time commonly called the Enlightenment, uh, and advocates for this particular uh, time, this time called the Enlightenment. People like John Locke uh, promoted and encouraged a form of thinking that valued reason uh, and logic and individualism uh, above things like faith. Well, this certainly influenced Thomas Jefferson uh, in his faith uh, so much that back in eighteen, uh, fr- excuse me, February of 1804, Jefferson went to work with a pair of scissors, uh, creating an abridged version of the Bible minus all of the miracles. All right. He, he cut them all out. Jefferson was, a, again, a big fan of the ethics, the teachings of Jesus, but he didn't care for the supernatural effects that we often see in the Bible, so he removed them. He cut them out of the story. And even today, uh, the Jefferson Bible, as it know, as it's known, includes the teachings of Jesus, but excludes things like the miracles, like uh, the virgin birth and the resurrection and 34 distinct miracles Jesus performed in between. In the words of one historian, uh, if a moral lesson was embedded in a miracle, the lesson survived Jefferson's compilation, but the miracle did not. And so, as you can imagine, when Jefferson got to work on John's gospel, uh, and that's what we we. been working through with this series, he kept his blades busy, if you would, all right? He kept his scissors uh, pretty busy. And because his faith... Uh, at the time, was incapable of believing in the miraculous. Uh, Jefferson's version of John's gospel uh, shows uh, in his version that the stone still stands in front of the tomb, that that Jesus is still dead on the inside, that he died on the cross, but he never rose from the dead. And that's crazy. I mean, isn't it? I mean, isn't it crazy? uh, It's hard to imagine to, you know, claim such a faith or to look to such a person, uh, but to deny uh, a miracle or the miraculous something like like the resurrection. I mean, how can you take a a pair of scissors uh, to the most defining event in our faith? But do you know what? We do the same. Uh, We do the same at times. I've been guilty of doing the same. I mean, all of us uh, at one time or another, we doubt. Uh, we lose faith, we, we give up any or all hope at all that God uh, can perform a miracle in our lives. And so uh, this whole series for us and what we've been talking about with these miracles, uh, looking to these miracles, is how they give us an opportunity to zoom in, to see what Jesus uh, is like, to see what our, our God is like, to get a better picture of His love and His compassion and uh, what He is capable of doing. And the goal of the series has been for us to put all of our hope in God. All right, to look to Him first and to not put our hope in miracles. But can I tell you something this morning, and even as we wrap up in this series, that uh, even as we, and as I hope and pray for you, that you put your hope in God uh, and not in miracles, we put our our, our hope in Him, our faith in Him, we put all of our dependence in Him. I I guess what I want to say is I want you to know that it's okay to pray for a miracle, Uh, it, it is okay for you. Uh, to put your faith and hope in the Lord and because of that to pray uh, for a miracle in your life. I believe that God performed these miracles that we read about in Scripture, that he performed these miracles through Jesus and that he still performs miracles today. And so please don't cut the possibility of a miracle out of your life uh, and out of your story. I mean, Mary didn't. We showed that in the very first week of this series. I mean, even when the host party ran out of wine, she knew where to turn. Uh, The nobleman, he didn't. I mean, we don't know what he knew and to what extent he knew of Jesus, all he knew is that his son was dying and that he had no other place to turn, and so he turned to Jesus. Uh, all the lame man ever knew was begging for help until the midday he met Jesus. Uh, the 5,000 or 15,000 that showed up on this particular day, they weren't sure how they were going to eat, and the disciples didn't know how they were going to feed him or feed them, but Jesus did. And for those that stayed and remained, they got to see a miracle. And in John chapter 6, we see and we read how Jesus walked on water, and for a while, Peter did too. And uh, last week, uh, we saw Jesus do something that he had never done before. Uh, He healed a man who was born blind. And as God opened this man's eyes to see, what I'm praying for you today is that he will open up your eyes to see too. Uh, and that he will give you the faith to believe in him, that he will increase your faith and your dependence and your trust uh, in him uh, so that no matter what, uh, no matter what you're going through in your life today, your faith and your trust will be in him as you believe that he can and he is able and that he, as in so many other situations, he can work a miracle in your life too as you trust him. So, you know, like Jefferson, I think there's a natural tendency and all of us to want to explain away what we can't see or what we can't understand, and sometimes we can't help but reduce God uh, to something that we can explain. But I like what A. W. Tozer says about this. He says, "When we do this, what we end up with is a God with a, what we end up with is a God who can never surprise you, never astonish you, never overwhelm you, and never transcend you." And I might add to that, a God who can never do miracles. But that's not the God I believe in. And I think for many of you, that's not the God you believe in. Um, I believe in a God who always has been and always will be. Um, I believe in a God who can do immeasurably more uh, than all we can ask or imagine uh, because of His power that is work within us. I I believe in a God whose love is uh, is so great that I cannot completely uh, comprehend it. He is the God who made the laws of nature and the one who can break uh, the laws of nature. He is the God who created the earth by His power and His Word and a God who is mysterious enough to keep us wondering whether it's an old earth, a new earth, or whatever have you uh, sort of earth. He is the God who can turn water into wine. Uh, He is the God who can help a blind man see again and the same God who can answer your prayer. Uh, He can answer your prayer. He loves to hear our prayers and he loves to respond to our prayers. Uh, And he's a God that can answer your prayer uh, with a miracle uh, as you trust him, as you keep on trusting him. Don't give up on God. Uh, Keep trusting the Lord. Keep turning to him. Don't cut miracles out of your life, and maybe more importantly, don't cut God and His power and His abilities out of your life either. I want to look at one last miracle uh, with you this morning as we wrap up our Through the Lens series. Again, it's in John chapter 11, and uh, this is a miracle that's perfect for us on on a Palm Sunday. Uh, And what I want you to see in this miracle today is a promise, a promise from God. I I can promise you uh, that the miracle and really the the power of the story that we want to see today, uh, it's a miracle that God can work uh, every time uh, for anyone who puts their faith uh, and their trust in him. So John chapter 11, starting in verse First 1. Uh, this is a long story. I'm going to tell you right up front. We are going to breeze through it today. And so if you're someone that loves every detail of every story, you're going to have to read it on your own. Uh, you should read it on your own. And so I'm going to give you some highlights of the story because I believe and I want to get to uh, an opportunity that, that could uh, be the turning point uh, for some of you today. John chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1. Here's what we read. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Uh, He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And then we get a footnote here where John notes that this Mary, uh, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse 3, it says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And then even on into verse 4, it says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. See, the reality here is that Lazarus was sick uh, and was going to die, and everyone believed that, everyone that is except uh, for Jesus, you know, and and like for so many people here, I, I think uh, for you and I, we all hit uh, spots in our lives. We all hit these times in our lives when we think it's over. For some of you Kentucky fans, you thought it was over uh, last night, right? But, but for those faithful ones that hung in there, uh, you know, it turned out in your favor. But, uh, but on a more serious note, I mean, we all go through times and circumstances and, and we think it's over. I mean, maybe you were uh, dating someone and the relationship ended. And so for you right now, you just kind of sort of feel like it's over. Uh, or maybe uh, your marriage is suffering, or uh, because of what ha- has happened in your marriage, you, you, you just feel like uh, it's over. Maybe you made a mistake, and um, because of the mistake you made, uh, things have changed, and you know that your life is never going to be the same uh, again, and so maybe you're feeling like it's over. Uh, maybe you lost your job, or uh, your grades are suffering right now, and because of that, you're not, you don't know how you're going to make it through uh, to graduation, or or a loved one has died, and And so you kind of sort of feel like it's over. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like it's over uh, for whatever that reason may be for you. But I want you to know today that it's not over. Uh, If you are here with us today and you are still breathing, it's not over for you. You may feel like there's no hope, but there is hope. What did Jesus say? Did you catch his response? His words were, this sickness will not end in death. Jesus didn't believe that it was over. Now, here's where I want to issue the spoiler alert because uh, if you're new uh, to this story, if you've never heard it before, I'm going to ruin it for you uh, in just a a matter of a couple words here. And and if you were to read it for yourself, as you will see if you read this for yourself, Jesus is going to eventually return to Bethany, and he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, all right? That's the miraculous work that he is going to do on this day for Lazarus and and for these people. And the scriptures tell us that by the time that Jesus gets to Bethany, uh, gets back there, that it had been four days that Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And I just got to stop there and think, how about that for Lazarus, all right? I mean, what a week uh, for this guy. I mean, he, he's sick uh, and then he dies, all right, and, and he's dead for four days and then Jesus is going to bring him back to life. And there's just part of me that was wondering this past week, I mean, do you ever wonder what happened with Lazarus from there? I mean, we don't hear, we don't know uh, from scriptures what came uh, to be of Lazarus. And so we don't know for sure, but church tradition offers at least two explanations uh, of what happened for Lazarus after he came back from the dead. One, one tradition says that Lazarus and his sisters eventually made their way to the island of Cyprus, uh, where Lazarus eventually became came the first bishop of Kidion the the church of saint lazarus is there uh, and some believe that it's built over lazarus's uh, tomb now isn't that fun to think about Uh, if you think about it this way, I mean, how many people can say they've got a second tomb, all right? Lazarus was the man with a second tomb. Uh, Lazarus could say that. But a second theory says that Lazarus and his sisters uh, eventually ended up in a place, uh, Marseille, France, where Lazarus uh, and his sisters were forced to hide in a tomb that they were fleeing uh, persecution at the time, eventually captured. Uh, Lazarus was captured. They executed him by by cutting off his head, and this was done during the persecution of Christians uh, ordered by the a roman emperor domitian honestly we don't know for sure okay again these are just legends Uh, these are two stories of what may have happened but here's the point either way jesus gave mary and martha their brother back lazarus lived two lives you could say that he was gifted with a second life and you know what's true for you the same can be true for you too just as Jesus did for Lazarus. I mean, what God did for Lazarus, he can do for you. Uh, He wants to do for you. God wants to give you a second life. You know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, you know, with God through Jesus Christ, Scripture says for us that you are dead in your sin, that we are dead in our sins. But the good news is that when you... Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. When you put your trust in Him, what He does is He takes away our sin and He gives us uh, His righteousness. That Jesus brings us back to life. Uh, he brings us back to life eternally, and not only does He give us a second life, but he, but He came so that we might have life, and as the Scriptures say, may have it more abundantly. Uh, have abundant life in him. That means a life that will not end. It's a life with more joy and more purpose and more meaning uh, and peace and power. Jesus came to this world to give you a second life. Uh, the Apostle Paul believed this. The Apostle Paul had experienced this uh, with his own life. And so he writes in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest of us, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy... What did he do? He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here's what he says He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. Hey, if you're taking notes today, write this down if you would. Here, here's the message uh, of these words. Everybody has to die once, some people get to live twice. All right, that's the truth for us. That's the good news, that everybody has to die once, but some people get to live twice. And let me tell you uh, what I mean by that. This is Jesus' offered to you. He will take your life. He'll take your current life, a a life where you are dead in your sins and replace it with a new life. Now, if you choose to reject that, if you don't do anything about that, if you never make a decision uh, to receive, to accept that offer, you'll die one day and that's it. It's all over. But if you accept his offer... You choose to accept this offer for your life, his offer to trust Christ and to follow Jesus and to die now. Well, God, as we see in Paul's words here in Ephesians, will make you alive in Christ. And for some of you today, uh, this is so true and so powerful that even before you walk out of here today, you can be given a second life in Jesus Christ, that he will make you alive. God will make you alive in Jesus, and you will never again be the same person Now, we don't know how long Lazarus lived uh, after Jesus raised him from the dead. Some suggest uh, 30 years. However long, what's important is that Jesus gave him a second life and what he did for Lazarus, uh, he can do for you. Uh, He can do that for you today, and you will never again uh, be the same. Now, let's go back to the story the one I've already spoiled for you. Uh, Verse 17, if you would, if you skip over, uh, Jesus makes his way, and maybe as many as four to five days before he went to Bethany. But verse 17 says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, we're not exactly sure why it took so long for Jesus to get there, why he delayed, but what I want you to hold on to is that sometimes things in life will go from bad to worse. Uh, They will go from bad to worse. And that's the case for Mary and Martha. I mean, they sent word to Jesus, and then they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and Jesus didn't come. And things went from bad to worse. Their brother died, and while we can't know for sure, I can't help but sometimes wonder if God maybe allows things to go from bad to worse so that he can reveal even more of his grace. Uh, more of his love, more of his power for us, more than any of these people would have known on this particular day. But uh, pick it up in verse 21 when Jesus does get there. Uh, We read, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then verse 22, she says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, I look at this and think, is Martha being a little passive-aggressive? Is she being a little sassy uh, with Jesus in this moment? Maybe, maybe not. But all we know, all we can imagine is that she's hurting. um, And you know that um, because every one of us can relate in some way. I mean, I'm sure we've all been disappointed by God in one way or another and by His delay. I mean, sometimes I wonder, um, I can't help but wonder why He doesn't act or uh, keep things from happening. Uh, when I know that he certainly can, maybe even for you, maybe some of you are thinking back right now uh, to some moments in your life where God let you down, or uh, maybe today has got you wondering, you know, God, where were you uh, when this happened? I mean, where were you when, you know, my marriage was falling apart? <clears throat> or uh, where were you when, when he was hitting me, uh, when he was hurting me? Where were you when, when I was trying to find my way through it all? Where were you when, when my kids started drugs? Or uh, where were you when we couldn't pay the bills? Uh, We couldn't afford to keep up. Some of you, uh, maybe you're here today and you're just wondering where God is right now. But look at Martha's response. Uh, Even in her disappointment, even in the questions she must have had, those words, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I mean, those two words, even now, even now, even in my pain and disappointment, even in my hurt, Even in my frustration and confusion, she says, I know that even now that God will give you whatever you ask. I mean, doesn't it look like Martha's still holding out hope? I mean, she's still holding on to hope. I mean, her brother has been dead for four days and she is still holding on to her faith. I just want you to know today that whatever is going on in your life right now, no matter how great it may be, no matter how hopeless it may seem to you, be encouraged. Uh, learn from Martha don't give up on God I mean we need to live like Martha and not cut Jesus from the story yet some of you, you you need to live like Peter right now and you need to get out of the boat and take some steps with Jesus on the water but most importantly we need to live our lives like Jesus and look to him and his life and the example that he left us I mean Martha is holding out hope she's hanging on to faith for sure but do you know who's not worried in this moment do you know who's not afraid? Do you know who's not struggling in his faith? Jesus isn't struggling in his faith. He's still trusting. He hasn't given up on his father, and you don't need to give up on your father either. You can keep trusting in him. Don't give up on God. Even if it seems like it's too late, it's too soon to give up on him. Now let's jump, way jump, big jump, uh, to the end of the story. I told you we were going to do it, so bear with me. But uh, uh, over and out of verse 43. It says, when he said this, When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, Jesus is about to reveal a dimension of his power and glory that no one has ever seen before. Uh, He calls Lazarus out, and what a moment uh, for those who were witnessing this for sure. Now, This is interesting to me. According uh, to Jewish burial customs, some suggest that Lazarus would have been buried uh, with about 100 pounds of grave clothes on. All right, this was a part of their custom uh, to wrap the body, and that uh, the claws would have equaled as much as 100 pounds uh, of grave claws. And so his head would have been wrapped as well, too. And so that means that he's not able to see. Now, maybe this is just my warped imagination, uh, but isn't it terrifying? Uh, uh, to think about somebody, you know, especially somebody who's going to look like a mummy uh, that's going to come walking out of this tomb. I mean, I'm sure Mar- Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the adults are loving it, but their kids probably had nightmares for weeks, all right? I mean, just from this one event, all right, and what they're taking away from it. But seriously, how does Lazarus get out of the tomb? He's got a hundred pounds of, of grave clothes on, and if you think about it, Um, While this miracle foreshadows the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we're going to celebrate here uh, next Sunday, it foreshadows your resurrection too and what God can do for you and what he did for Lazarus and what he's done for many of you here today that have already trusted Christ as your Savior or what he wants to do in you uh, as you trust Christ as your Savior today. See, here's the facts. Because of our sin, grave clothes like these want to weigh us down and they want to keep us from turning to Jesus. I mean, you've got things in your life right now. You've got regrets from your past that want to keep you and prevent you from coming to Jesus. Uh, The writer of Psalm 38 verse 4 says it like this. He says, Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of what? My sin. He says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Any of you experiencing a burden, a guilt in your life that is too much to bear? It's too great to bear. I mean, so often, I mean, isn't it true that our sin weighs us down and there is nothing we can do to remove that guilt. There is nothing that we can do to remove that shame on our own. I mean, that guilt and shame in and of itself will keep us from believing that God would want anything to do with us, that he could ever possibly forgive us. And so we can't help ourselves. I mean, there is nothing we can do to remove the burden of sin on our own, but there is someone who can. There is someone who can remove that guilt and that shame and that burden for us. Jesus can remove that. He can remove that from your life. He'll take that upon himself and give you his righteousness instead. Jesus can remove uh, the weight of your sin. He can do that for you starting today. He is the one who calls us from the grave and he offers us a second life, a life with him that lasts forever. And you know what? That's where some of you are today. Uh, I believe that's where some of you are right now, and maybe that's why you're here today. And maybe why God has you here today is to hear this truth, is to hear God calling you from the dead and his desire and his ability to make you alive uh, in Jesus Christ. Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, and what he wants to do is to call some of you out of your tomb today. Uh, to invite you to leave your sin and to leave your old life behind uh, and to discover his forgiveness and to discover the abundant life that he offers uh, for you. Here's Jesus' response uh, to these friends um, and the power of this moment. If we back up some verses in John 11:25, 25, maybe you've heard these words before. Jesus said to her, his response to, his sister, uh, to, to Lazarus' sisters and to these friends, he said to them, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then the promise that the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asked this powerful yet very simple question. He asked them, do you believe this? Do you believe this truth? He asked Martha, do you believe this? Martha, do you believe it? And what was Martha's reply? She replied, yes. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, even before you raised my brother from the dead. I believe, I am trusting, I am putting all of my faith in you. Friends, the same is true for you today. One little yes can change your life forever. One little yes and Jesus can perform uh, a great, powerful miracle in your life. One little yes uh, can change your life for all eternity. I wonder how many of you are ready to trust him today. You've never trusted him before with your life. Today can be the day for you where you say yes to Jesus and emerge from uh, the depths of your sin uh, and regret and shame maybe into the hope and to the new life that Jesus Christ wants to offer you today. Will you bow your heads with me? And uh, maybe you're ready to do that today. Uh, Maybe you're ready to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to accept his gift of life here today in this moment. You can do that right now as we pray. We pray, Father, we thank you. Uh, for your, your unending love for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. And uh, Lord, we confess today uh, that we need you. And I just want to invite uh, those of you that are here right now, and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior before, and you're ready to do that. You're ready to respond to, your, to, to his love. Uh, to pray these words with me, wherever you are, you can pray them silently, you can pray them out loud. Just pray, Lord, I confess today that I am dead in my sins, and that I need a Savior. God, would you forgive me of my sins? I pray that you would take what is dead in me and bring it back to life. Father, I am choosing to trust you. I am surrendering my life so that I can live for you starting today. Father, we thank you. We thank you right now for those that are praying and receiving and trusting and hoping. And Father, I pray that you would touch them in such a powerful way today that there would be no doubt, uh, no doubt, and that we can celebrate together new life in Christ uh, through your Son and uh, the hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Father, um, I also believe that there are Christians here today uh, that are living as if they were dead and have maybe Uh, forgotten the power of your salvation for their life maybe uh, there are some circumstances maybe there are some regrets right now uh, that they've experienced lord would you use this moment uh, would you speak into their lives today and remind them that they're alive in jesus friends you are if you've trusted jesus christ as your savior you are alive in jesus christ and no one's going to take that away from you I pray that you'll come to life today knowing that the power of Jesus for you, the power of salvation for you, God's presence in your life, you will never be the same as you trust him. Father, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for your power at work in us, Lord. May we experience and know the power of the gospel, the good news of salvation for our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.